Welcome to the Servant's Heart Chapel podcast with Pastor Daryl Underwood. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by this week's sermon. Now here's Pastor Daryl. We're still in, I believe, uh, their second missionary journey right now. They had been released from prison, from jail, as you, uh, the last time we were uh, talking about Paul and his companions. Chapter 17, verse 1, then they traveled through Amphilopus and Amphipolis, Apollonia. And Thessalonica, and there was a Jew where there was a Jewish synagogue. As usual, verse two. As usual, Paul went to the synagogue on three Sabbath days, reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and showing that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This is Jesus. I am proclaiming to you. Is the Messiah. Well, that's there's a lot in that verse. First off, Paul says, as you it's written, as usual, Paul uh, went and and shared the gospel. It was a habit. As Christians, we're expected to have certain habits. And we hurt ourselves when we get out of those habits. Whether it's sharing the gospel in this case, or reading God's word, or spending time in prayer, or going to church. Paul went to the synagogue on the three Sabbath days to do what? To to spread the good news. To witness Christ. And you reason with them from the scriptures. You see, the audience knew the Bible. He knew the audience. The audience knew the Bible. So he went to the scriptures to reason with them about that. And that's going to be important later on. And then verse 3, it says, explaining. Explained. and, And showing the scriptures. That word, uh, that explaining comes from, it means to open wide. Other times that word has been used, uh, it meant to, to open something up. Open the scriptures to somebody. You ever uh, had anybody open the scriptures to you before? Or they gave you... You had some real questions, and they were able to answer those questions with with hard scriptures, and that just made sense, and and it, it just it became a whole new world. We opened the scriptures, showing, and he showed them the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. 
Now, what scriptures might he have shown them? Well, didn't say it doesn't say in this passage, but we can we can cast some good guesses. I bet that one of those passages was Psalm uh, chapter sixteen, verse ten. Psalm 16, verse 10. For you will not abandon me in Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. For David proclaiming a reality, a truth, and that echoes... Everybody agreed that that had to do with the Messiah. He could have he could have mentioned that verse. He could have also gone to Psalm 22. Where it starts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The very words that Jesus proclaimed. In verse 8, he re- or verse 7, everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let the Lord deliver him. Verse 16, for dogs have surrounded me, a gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Paul was showing, who are these verses talking about, if not the Messiah? Who are they prophesying regarding? Maybe he he went to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 10 through 11. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When when you make him a restitution offering, he will see his seed, he will prolong his days, and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. Maybe it was that verse. Or maybe it was Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to shame and eternal contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens and those who lead to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. 
It could be any one of those verses or a combination of them, but he used scripture to reason from scripture that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. And he proclaimed, this Jesus I've been talking to you about is the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the one that has been proclaimed from old times, the one that will come to save us, to rescue us. Verse uh, 4, then some of them were persuaded. They were convinced. They didn't believe it before. This week, I had posted on Facebook about a, a friend of mine who, whose uh, article had been blocked on Facebook and how surprising I, surprised I was because uh, the guy that Missy and I both know, R.G. Hutchison, missionary in Philippines, the most easygoing guy I've ever known, uh, Facebook decided that his article and even his whole website did not, uh, did not line up with their community standards. And so it's been blocked. And one of my friends on Facebook uh, didn't believe that. He, he, he didn't think that what I was saying was true. So he had to try it out for himself. And, he, and, and then he sent me screen captures, or actually posted it in the comment section on my post. And he's like, you're right. It is blocked. What happened? He, he, he was persuaded because he checked out for himself. God wants us to check it out, check things out for ourselves. So we're persuaded. We're not, it's not our job to persuade people. We answer people to the best of our ability, but ultimately they will have to check it out for themselves. And, and then they will believe or not believe. So some of, them, some of the, the Jewish people that he talked to were persuaded and they joined Paul and Silas. And it says, including a great number of God-fearing Greeks as well as a number of the leading women. There were a lot of uh, powerful women around there, the business women, probably maybe political too, but they, they had great uh, influence and they became Christians. And then in verse 5, uh, but the Jews became jealous and they brought together some scoundrels from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. The religious people uh, were not happy with this because they were, we already understood from studying the life of Jesus that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the whole Sanhedrin, the whole religious leaders, uh, Jewish leaders uh, were very happy with the status quo, that, uh, that they were the powerful and wealthy people in the community, and they saw Christians as undermining that. And so they became jealous, and so they formed a mob. Man, that's nothing's changed, has it? They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. That was 2,000 years ago. They attacked Jason's house. They searched for them, bring them out. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason. Uh, verse 6, they, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, 
These men have turned the world upside down and have come here too. So they're, uh, they're accusing. And, and, and you're right, Christianity does turn a person's world upside down because often people are going completely the opposite direction of where they should be going. I mentioned this quote before, one of my favorite books, Secret Thoughts of, a like, uh, of an Unlikely Convert by Rosalind, um, I can't remember her last name, but she, she said this, she wrote this, she said, uh, conversion is, is too polite a word for the train wreck that occurs when one comes to face to face with the living God. Her life, when she came face to face with God, her whole life got turned upside down. And that's what still happens. And so what they say here, they turn the world upside down. Man, they, I think that's probably the most true thing they can say right there. It will turn their world upside down. They come here to verse um, the gospel, uh, and, and they're very upset about this, right? The reason they're upset about this is because the gospel upsets sinners who don't want to think about their eternal state. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want you to tell them what they're doing is wrong. That God's going to hold them, that there's a day coming they're going to stand before God if they don't make it right and change their ways and repent, right? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Kingdom of heaven is here. So it's time to repent. And they don't want to hear that. So they will, they will plug their ears and they will cuss you and scream and, and do everything they can to stop you. And that's what they're doing here. Verse 7, And Jason has received them as guests. How dare he receive them as guests? These, these, these people who are, who are making our world uh, a mess. They're all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying there is another king, Jesus. Now that was a, a sly attempt there. Um, because to say that for real is to be treasonous. Treason is, is punishable by death. And so they were trying to get them executed. Uh, verse 8, the Jews stirred up the crowd and the city officials who heard these things. Uh, verse 9, so taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. So they let them go after a while, and they went on their way. Verse 10, as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas off to Berea. On arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews, and the people that were there were more open-minded than the Jews in Thessalonica. Since they welcomed the message with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things be true. That's verse 11. There's a lot there we wanted to skip past. First off, uh, they welcomed the message with eagerness. They didn't waste time. We, when you're eager about something, you want to get right to it. You don't want to waste any time. Uh, let's get down to business. Let's take care of it. You're eager about it. 
and and they wanted to hear this message. And then they and 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 once they heard it, they examined the scriptures, close examination daily to see if these things were so. Very smart, very wise. You see, because Paul, they didn't know Paul. You know, they could trust him. You see, the Bible is the final authority. Everything you hear, even from my preaching, from me, from anything you may hear on a podcast or on the radio or in a book or a magazine, you always need to go to the Bible to match it up to see if it's true. This is your this is your measuring tool. When I was in stationed in South Korea, we had there was a U2 squadron there. U2s are used for for uh, spying, for monitoring what's going on in a given area. And uh, their motto I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if it's changed or not, but it was, uh, in God we trust, all others we monitor. I like that. Trust but verify. We, we can get ourselves into trouble when we just assume something uh, is, 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 is uh, we get ourselves into trouble when we assume an idea, a principle, a concept is in line with Scripture or even comes from Scripture. I remember years ago in Bible college, uh, someone told me that uh, there is no sea of forgetfulness in the Bible. I thought, yeah, there is. I've heard that all my life in church, and, and, and it, it's there. No, no, go look. And I looked. I spent a long time looking. There is no sea of forgetfulness in the Bible. The Bible says that God will not remember something against us. That means he won't bring it up. We've confessed and forsaken something, so when we stand before God, God's not going to go, hey, remember that lie you told in 1987? Actually, lies. 1987. There is no sea of forgetfulness. Other, uh, other sayings that people uh, either misconstrue or think that came from Scripture and is not. Cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible. I do want you to clean up every once in a while, though. God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. Money is the root of all evil. There's one very similar to that. Anybody know what that is? Yes, Robert. The love of money is the root of all evil. Right. Very good. And finally, honesty is the best policy. Now, the Bible tells us to be honest, but that word, that phrase, honesty is the best policy, is not in the Bible. A lot of people think it is. 
So we get ourselves in trouble, even to the point we have these cliches almost that people, a lot of people think, oh, that's in the Bible, and it's not. So we need to follow the examples, uh, example of the Bereans and study the scriptures daily. Get in the Bible every single day. And it should be influencing you in some way. If you're just scanning it and thinking, okay, I, I did my reading for the day, and you're not getting anything out of it. If you go for a long time and no passage just jumps out at you and say, wow, that's for me. If you don't remember, if you're not in a situation in life and, and, and God brings to mind a scripture verse that you had read recently and thought about, then you're doing something wrong. You know, Missy gets on to me sometimes because if I, if I, uh, I have a tendency to eat too fast. I'm a fast eater. I try not to be. But I am. I don't really get a chance to taste the food that much. And it probably reduces my body's ability to extract as much nutrients from it as I could have had I sat there and chewed it on it, right? Same way with the Bible. If we just skim through it and don't take time to chew on it a little bit, then we're not going to get nearly as much out of it. And the value of it is going to be much less in our lives. So they said the scriptures and to see if, if what Paul was saying was true. Verse 12, consequently, many of them believed, including a number of the prominent Greek women as well as men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica found out that God's message had been proclaimed by Paul and Berea, they came there too. Wow. They heard Paul was in Berea and, and, he, and things were going pretty well for him. They had to put a stop to that. They did not like this guy at all. They went out of their way. They walked. I should have looked up how many miles that was. I guarantee it wasn't that close. They walked all the way to Berea. And what does it say? Agitating and disturbing the crowds. Verse 14. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul away to go, go to the sea, but, Paulus, but Silas and Timothy stayed on there. So they stayed in Berea. And those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens. Athens, Greece. And after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy to come to him quickly as possible, they departed. So, Silas and Timothy are still in, in Berea, dealing with whatever they needed to deal with. Uh, Paul is escorted to Athens, and then the guys escort him, leave him there, and they go back to Berea. And so Paul is sitting there in Athens, and he's waiting for Silas and Timothy to join him. Verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was troubled within him when he saw that the city was full of idols. Oh, that, that our spirits would be troubled 
when we see the sin around us in this world, when we see all the idols, people that put everything, everything they put before God. Verse 17. So, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worship God in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there. So he's troubled. Let's back up a little bit. Paul is greatly troubled. He's bothered greatly by all the idol worship he's seeing. So he's, and then they put the word so. so there's, a, there's a cause and effect. The cause is he's greatly troubled. The effect, he's going to do something about it. And what does he do? He goes and talks to people in the synagogue. Just tries to reason with them. And not just with them. Anybody who worship God. Even Gentiles. They worship the one true and living God. He talked to them. And, and, and in the marketplace. Anyone who happened to be there, it said. Who are we talking to? Verse 18, then also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers argued with him. There's Greece, philosophy. is big there, right? Especially in Athens. What are these Epicurean and Stoic philosophers? Well, the Epicureans were atheists. They denied God's existence. They denied a life after death. They were also materialists. They, they felt this life was the only thing that really existed and that therefore men should get the most out of it. They felt that pleasure was the highest virtue and that pain was the opposite. Their motto which still persists today, was eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we may die. They were what we would call today existentialists, living for the experience of the moment. Now we don't call it Epicureanism anymore, but this philosophy is still very much big in modern times. There's a lot about being in the moment. Now the Stoics. The Stoics were philosophers, were followers of the philosopher Zeno, where they were pantheists. That is, they believed everything is God. This tree is God. The, the ground is God. We're God. That's what pantheists believes. And that God doesn't, they don't believe that God exists as a separate, separate entity. But it is in the rocks and trees and every material thing. Their attitude towards life was one of ultimate resignation. And they pride themselves in being able to take whatever came. Their motto in modern terms 
was Grinnin Barrett. The British might say keep a stiff upper lip. They urged moderation. Don't get over emotional. Either about tragedy or happiness. Apathy was regarded as the highest virtue in life. You'll recognize that there are many people today that feel the best thing they can do is take whatever comes and handle it the best they can. There's a, there's a warrior game, a worldwide wounded warriors game called Invictus. And here's a poem from maybe that name where they got the name from. The poem is called Invictus. And it really just really encapsulates the Stoic mindset. And I'm going to explain why it's important to understand that in both Epicureans and Stoics. But here, this encapsulates the Stoic mindset. Out of the night that covers me, black as the, as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall me unafraid. Finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not... How straight the gate, how charged with punishments to scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That's a stoic mindset. Um, and uh, we happen to have a wounded word game, like I said, called Invictus. And thinking about all that, I realized that Stoicism is very much a military philosophy. This is really what all military men that I know strive for. I remember years ago there was a, a book and then a movie following called Unbroken about the life of Louis Zamperini. And he was heralded because as a POW, in a very brutal Japanese POW camp, he, under, under the, the very cruel hand of the guy in charge, they called him the bird, he, and, and just the, the, the beatings and the torture and, and, and the, the mind games that he would play, I uh, Lewis, I uh, remained unbroken, and so they 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 this book was written and this movie on how he was not broken, his spirit was not broken. He left that POW camp unbroken, and that actually wasn't entirely true. Lewis Samperini wrote a book uh, following that. You see. He was broken. Lewis went back home and, and tried not to be broken, but was and ended up becoming a drunk 
and and uh, and his marriage was on the rocks. Uh, it was almost completely destroyed. He was doing the PTSD uh, uh, and and depression and anxiety of what he had experienced. It just almost destroyed him until his wife invited him to go to church with her. And he decided to go. And that changed his entire life. Because Lewis was broken. But Jesus repaired him. He took his broken heart and made it whole. So you see these, these philosophies that, that Paul was engaging in, the Epicureans believe that there is no God and, and we're just going to enjoy life and party like it's 1999. And then you have the Stoics who, who believe that God is everywhere. In essence, there is no God. God is everywhere. And... Uh, and I can I can handle things on my own. I don't need God's help. This is what Paul was going to be dealing with. And we're gonna we're gonna stop right now as he's about to engage with the Epicureans and the Stoics and leave the rest uh, for next Sunday. So a little cliffhanger there. Of course you can read it for yourself and find out what happened. <laughs> But we'll be talking about it next week. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us. If you liked this podcast, then hit the subscribe button. Also, take some time to rate us. Feel free to check out our website at ServantsHeartChapel.org, and you can email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Thanks again, and have a blessed week.